Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mac, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. It's here in the House Call community where we have created an inviting space for you to hear individuals' health stories, gain healthcare providers and other experts' perspectives. It is our mission that with the knowledge you gain, you will be able to connect your own health dots, see a complete picture of yourself, and begin to experience whole person care. So let's sit down. Let's get started. Let's have some conversations. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. Welcome back, House Call community. We are here another season. I tell you, these conversations that we're having continue to help us connect our health dots. And they continue to help us in various ways. I I often talk about how we do conversations or we have conversations that are outside the box. And this is one of those, I believe, that will probably go in that category. Because a lot of a, a lot of times we're talking about a physiological process, a specific uh, either either disease process or prevention of a disease process. We're talking about symptomology. We're talking about something that you can say, okay, let me either go to the doctor for or I can figure this out, you know, on my own. But today we're going to talk about a subject that sometimes makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And I have the perfect person to make us feel at ease for this conversation. I want to welcome to the House Call community, Chaplain Doug Simons. Chaplain Simons, welcome to the community. Thank you so much, Dr. Mack. I've been in excited in anticipation of joining you. So thank you so much for the invitation. Oh, this is awesome. And, you know, I love to tell the community how a guest came to the show, because we talk about connecting our health dots here in the house call community. And so I like to bring that full circle and and help people understand, well, how did some how did a guest come here? You know, we talk about we have individuals come in and give their individual health stories. And then we have those that are like you, that are healthcare providers or other experts that come in and give their perspective. And I like to be able to connect that story to what we're talking about today. And so I, you know, I have to let people know in full disclosure that I, I call you Uncle Doug. <laughs> yes, that's precious. And that's I precious. have that privilege of having you in our lives. And this is one of those full circle moments I talk about frequently on the show when I have a guest come in that has a personal connection. And um, we still haven't talked about the topic we're going to talk about today. And I know people are sitting on the edge of their chairs, but I want to to just let them know that you have been in my life, um, not quite in this capacity that we're going to talk about, but in your overall capacity as a chaplain. And so, you know, I gave your official title, chaplain, um, and I want you to kind of talk about that a little bit. But the big topic we're going to talk about today is hospice care. 
And a lot of times when we say that title, people get a little queasy or uneasy or you can you can feel the the atmosphere change in the room. You can feel it in people's body language even. And so that's the big topic we're going to tackle. So Uncle Doug or Chaplain Simon, can you give (laughs) us, um, just give us a little bit of your story. Hospice care, Chaplain, I mean, how did how did this come to be? How how are you at this point in your journey? And I know I'm asking a huge, huge question, um, but give us a little bit of your journey. Well, well let me back up a little bit, uh, my niece, and say to you that it really started out in when I went full-time into a ministry as a pastor for 12 years. Ah. But I became very restless. There's a lot of demands of a pastor. Mm-hmm. And um, but I had some leanings toward health care because at one time I toyed with the idea of, of going down the, the physician track. You know? Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I... Uh, but. But uh, after that 12th year, things began to rumble inside of me, and I began to explore my options. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that chaplains were also in healthcare. Oh. And so that's how I went to IUPUI there in Indiana, in Indianapolis, and went into a, tra- a chaplain training program. And I made that transition back in 1980, mm-hmm. and uh, I became a certified eventually as a board certified chaplain and then I went from that point for the next 28 years uh, as a uh, chaplain in five different hospitals. Whoa! so, and during that time is where I, um, I you know, just uh, countless uh, things that poured into my life as I, in turn, interacted with people. I, I call it sacred space because mm. I'm a stranger, meeting strangers, and I'm always amazed of things that happened in either a short or extended period of time. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, so after that career, I said, all right, I, I wasn't going to sit around and twiddle my thumbs. Right. Yeah. Right. retired and moved down to Huntsville, Alabama, and a good friend of mine, Dr. Uh, John Wagner, mm-hmm. uh, he um, said, look, because once you consider hospice. Hmm. And so I said, you know, I never thought about that. But uh, interesting enough, the latter part of my uh, career in, cha- in uh, hospital chaplaincy uh, had to do a lot with palliative care or end-of-life care. Mm. And so I just went right into it. So that's what I've been doing for the last uh, six years. And it's interesting, I know that you refer to me as, as chaplain besides Uncle Doug. And, <laughs> but I always, because I pastored, I came to health care with the heart of a pastor. Mm. So I often introduce myself. My name is Doug, the hospital's chaplain or the hospital's pastor. Okay. I, a pastor for me is, is a more personal, uh-huh. intimate And, uh, you know, and so that's the heart that I, I tried to bring over these years and now uh, in this part of my life into hospice uh, ministry. Wow. You know, <laughs> I, I I know that we have had a chance to sit down and talk various times, but this part of your story is even new to me, and it brings a whole nother light. Um, just 
as you and and what and now what you do this this actually brings even more depth to that to that um to this conversation so hospice care you mentioned also palliative care it seems like the two are not quite the same or are they you know, that's a good question because actually I have looked at over the years of palliative care being like the umbrella mm. of individuals who are facing uh, possible terminal diseases okay. or diagnoses. And uh, so the, the, uh, the notion or the um, goal of palliative care is to uh get involved with the patient and, of course, their family, because uh, this kind of care is a family affair, Uh but get into it as early as possible so you develop a friendship and a relationship with individuals over time. Mm. And so then, but so that's the, to me, but the end of that spectrum or that umbrella is hospice care. All right. So uh, you interact in the beginning okay. with individuals who are being challenged, develop those relationships, and walk with them through. You know, they choose uh, chemotherapy or radiation. You know, those kinds of mm-hmm. treatments, uh, um, uh, interventions, and then it comes down where maybe as it progresses along, uh, if you hear finally the, the physician say, "You know, um, I, you know, we, we really." Uh, can't offer you any more medical interventions, okay. but there is another thing that we want to offer to for you to consider, and that's where we step in, uh, you know, from uh, a hospice perspective to add uh, to uh, the uh, care of that patient and their families. Okay, so when you say this is something, if the physicians have said, you know, there's no more um, medical intervention, like there, there are no more prescriptions, there are no more therapies that we can offer you at this point. So yes. what does hospice care now offer? Can you give us some of the services that, ho- so now now what? What are we doing? Because okay, to well, me, let me, let me, let me oh, go back a little bit and say that, when people hear the term hospice, mm-hmm. they always, I've had people say, well, I, I'm not ready to die. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. That's what I was just about yeah. to say. Yeah, 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 I'm not ready to die. So, you know, so why should I even consider mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I, I want to destroy the myth yes. that hospice is a place where you, at the end, last resort, you've come to die. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Uh, destroy that myth. But to qualify that by saying that it's a place where you, a person who is um, faced with a terminal diagnosis or diagnoses uh, comes for extended quality care. Hmm, I have never so, had it. Said that way. Say that one more time. Okay. I said that when an individual that may be faced with a terminal disease or, you know, or multiple diagnoses, uh, and they um, have been, you know, in, uh, indicated that there could be no more conventional uh, medical interventions to mm-hmm. be considered, you know, mm-hmm. no more tests, no more treatment, mm-hmm. et cetera, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they referred to hospice care. And so in deference to the myth of it's a place to come to die, mm-hmm. I say no. And, and, the, and the concept of hospice is no, it's a place to 
to receive quality care. I like that. At what may be the end of your life, but it's a place where you get quality care, and then that translates into you know goes into into what is what that care looks like. Uh, That's that's the next part of it. Yeah. So, what does that care look like? I love that next segue. That that's perfect. Yeah, it's it's a look. It's a team effort. Okay, okay we have okay. a medical director like a Dr. John Wagner, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we have a um, uh, a nurse, mm-hmm. uh, nurses who are right under right next to him, and they carry out uh, what nurses do in terms of if there's a need for change of medicines and uh, treat and uh, the care of that patient. But the nurse also. Um, make sure not only from uh, the meds being managed well, but they also want to make sure that their pain is mm-hmm. managed, that their breathing is managed, okay. uh, that if there are um, dicubitized uh, you know, uh, infections that uh-huh. are uh, in- and presented, that they will do the proper management of, of those, uh, you know, those types of, uh, of decubitized. Right. And so, you know, and then you have the nurse, as a nurse, you have the uh, social worker okay. who deals with uh, seeing what are the needs of the patients, you know, uh, from uh, as far as equipment is concerned, they may need to consider a, eventually a hospital bed, they may need to consider you know, certain disposables okay. that they will need. Um, so all of this is a part, uh, as well as uh, their assurances, of course, mm-hmm, to cover mm-hmm. it. Um, uh, so, you know, this is what uh, the social worker may do in assessing uh, the patient's uh, needs. And then um, there is the chaplain, mm-hmm. uh, as myself. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, what, you know, this is what my role, mm-hmm. my approach uh, to chaplaincy is all about. And uh, then you have the certified nursing assistants. So okay. this team then comes in. Uh, according to the acuity of the patient's needs uh, to render that care. But it's all about, you know, offering them quality care so that they feel supported mm-hmm. uh, medically, uh, emotionally, mm-hmm. spiritually, you know, uh, as far as their hygiene is concerned, hygienically. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, all of that, you know, is, is uh, the proper support, and as well as, as I mentioned earlier, this is a family affair. What affects the patient affects the family. And so we include and encourage the families to be a part of that uh, quality care. Wow, I have never envisioned or un- truly understood as a physician what mm-hmm. hospice is all about. And and maybe it's because of the area of medicine I practiced. I know sure. that going through residency when I was on the internal medicine rotation or family medicine rotation, that's more where I would be on the periphery of the team discussing that um, type yeah. of option for a patient. Um, because right. OBGYN, you know, we mainly dealt with, you know, fairly healthy and acute instances. And so unless we were dealing with, unless I'd gone into probably GYN 
in oncology, where we would have been dealing with those types of issues, um, did I have the ability to even fully understand the scope of what hospice has to offer? You know, I really now I have a broader understanding just here talking to you just now. That it's a team effort. And like you said, I love the way that you put that, that this is a way that you can still receive quality care. And I want somebody to understand that, that we're not putting you in a corner or in a dark room and saying this is it. And just let the pastor or the chaplain, whatever terminology somebody would choose and be comfortable with to come and pray over you. And that's it. Yes. And you know what? In addition to that, um, that that, uh, perspective I like a physician, as yourself, that is sensitive in segueing into the hospice care. Some of them uh, will come in and uh, they, you know, how many times physicians want to do everything, fix it up, fix Mm -hmm. it, and so forth, Mm -hmm. and they feel a sense of failure if they're not able to do that. Uh, you know, within their sphere of practice. Yes, and yes. So, you know, and, and so, but then a sensitive one will say, you know, I want to continue a relationship with you as mm-hmm. my patient. I don't want to just drop you, cut you off, you mm-hmm. know, on the old expression, kick you under the bus. Right, but right. I, I really want to you to consider uh, giving you know, the parameters and, and the extent of your disease process, I, I would like you to consider another type of care that can really help in you moving forward okay. in the care that you need. And so that kind of approach then keeps the patient not feeling abandoned mm-hmm. by the person they, they have over time formed a good relationship with. And wow. so our hospice care, we include the, and, and encourage the patient to continue the relationships if they have to go for some uh, type of um, of appointment with their doctor, as long yes. as it's not something that is, um, uh, what, what are we trying to say, where it's um, ex- uh, accelerated kind of care or mm-hmm. whether they are going to go for treatment and so forth, which, which we do say to our patients, look, if you want to go back and reconsider and, and try again at something, you know, we uh, we uh, applaud that. Okay, okay. But, uh, you know, if not, then we will still encourage you if you want to go just for the continued connection mm-hmm. with the physician, mm-hmm. as well as our medical director also keeps in contact with them in order to uh, make the, the appropriate kinds of, of meds that okay. 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 So it's a team effort. It's a, that's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. So the patient then feels, as I said, not abandoned, but just continue to be cared for. Yeah. This is. I, I'm. I'm real remembering um, now that I remember that I had a wonderful internal medicine teacher uh, attending. He was in the ICU and he taught me so much. I talk about him to this day. And he says, your patients will tell you what's wrong with them if you just listen and you ask the right questions, but you listen. He was like, listen and touch them and basically connect with them. 
But he also now I remember him also saying that we have to be able to help our patients die, too. And this is where I'm understanding that piece now. All these years later, I kind of had it in the back of my mind. But now I see where that comes in. We have to be able to to acknowledge our own mortality. We have to be able to acknowledge our own restrictions in terms of we've taken you this far and these are all the tools I have in my armamentarium. And now I just have to be a part of the, the natural way of life. And I love the way that you said that we can now still be a part of the team. And it's not necessarily that we have to be the hero or heroine in this team, but we're just we're part of the team. We're part of the process. We're still staying connected because a lot of times I believe what would happen is that if a patient decides or the family, like you said, it's a whole family discussion and and decision. If this patient decides to go into hospice care, it's almost like you're, you have to say goodbye to your doctor. And what I'm hearing you is that you're saying, no, we, we want this to still be a relationship. And that makes, I think that that brings the closure a lot better and and really, really does. Yeah, and it also um, gives, you know, again, uh, the, the patient, I can't mention that too much, and that is the patient is not being abandoned. Mm-hmm. And it also helps to dispel the, the, the notion in their head that they're giving up. Mm, yes, you know, yes. A lot of times, because that affects the patient's uh, perspective on their own life, their own Right, mentality. right. And, you know, and so it's not a thing of giving up. But it's it's uh, I, I look at it as trying to keep a balance mm. uh, of, of of what a person's hopes okay. are in terms of they they want to be to recover they want to be cured even you know and then balance that with with what is your reality okay and and I think that you have to keep a health healthy balance yes. between your reality and your hopes mm. and so that's where I think that as a chaplain. I, I, I look at my role, and I say this to uh, as being very strategic right. with helping with that balance. Right. Because um, I, when I meet a patient for the first time in their families and, and establish, you know, rapport and, and getting them a sense of telling their story, you know, to me of their family and mm-hmm. their, their own journey, et cetera, I let them know, I said, I have two goals. The first is... To, as I listen to them, is to, because I know that God mm-hmm. is a restoring, miracle-working God. Mm. And so I, I let them know, I'm going to pray for something miraculous to happen physically, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, to you, and and then and and if that doesn't happen, or while we are waiting for that physical miracle to happen, then my job after that is to have conversations with you in preparing you for whatever may lie ahead. Mm. And because I want you to be at peace, uh-huh. and and so I then that's that takes the journey journey in another direction because that's when I start listening to them about what are the things that are concerning to them. Okay. It might be 
it might be an issue of forgiveness. Mm. It might be an issue of what's, what's for me in the hereafter. Mm-hmm. It might be interest of what's going to happen to those that I may leave behind. Mm. Uh, it may be an issue of I want to have a laugh. A hoo hoo rah. Right, right, right. Like this. Uh, I, I, I want to be affirmed that my living has been productive mm. and has had meaning to it. Uh, and then, you know, it just might be a thing of saying, hey, I'm okay. I'm at peace. And that's really what it's all about. If there's one word that captures all of this journey that I'm moving in down toward or walking within form is that of getting, coming to peace. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, because, and uh, that and that for me is, and it, it's, it's not going to happen, you know, it's going to be over time. And, uh, but that's how I find myself. And it's such an honor for me to enter into that sacred space with these patients and their families. And I can tell you story after story of, you know, of that kind of, of experience. But to see uh, them go from maybe being stuck or being depressed or being, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting, you know, feeling guilty, all that, you know, those issues, to coming to a point where they're saying, okay, you know, I, I, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be okay. Right, you know? right. And that prepares them for, uh, you know, for what may, may lie ahead. And then on the flip side of that, I've seen people be discharged from our service mm. because they have their health has improved. Wow. And uh, that is all. So we celebrate that. Yes, yes. Celebrate that with them and we say, yes, you know, we want, you know, <laughs> you uh, to to, uh, to to go and, and try another, go another direction. We are, we're grateful for what changes have taken place in, you know, the care that has been given. And so we applaud that. And they, they are discharged. Uh, and, you know, we, of course, you know, remain open to them mm-hmm. if they want to return to our service, if need be. But I've just seen those kind of miracles happen uh, to them. And talking about miracles, if I could add, I let them know, you know, a miracle is not one that's always physical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a miracle is, going back to the quality of care, a miracle is when my pain is managed. I'm not miserable. Ah. I'm not suffering. You know, I'm not ga- I'm not gagging to breathe because my my uh, my uh, uh, I'm that you know everything that's being managed. Uh, I'm uh, I'm not uh, you know in, in the cubit eye not breaking out out all over my body, right? And so forth, you know, so all this is simply saying is the person is feeling that their dignity mm-hmm. is being maintained wow. in life. They live dignified lives, and now in 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 their the health decline, that dignity needs to be maintained. Yes, and, yes. Uh, so these kinds of interventions during the chaplain, during the hospice care, these that's important. That's the goal: is to maintain uh, a quality of life, and in turn, in 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 addition, their own dignity as a human being. Oh, my goodness. These are some great, great points. I I have a few other points I would like for us to get to, and I'm I'm looking at our time, so I'm trying to be mindful. One of the points that I really want you to touch on is that do you have to be of the same faith 
to 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 receive hospice care from from a chaplain, you know, because to me, you know, we we do establish that we are people of faith in our community that, you know, I do have a religious background. And so we talk about that here very openly and very freely on the podcast. And I just want to know, though. Do you have to be of the same faith or belief system or even have a, a belief in a higher power to receive and to be able to um, get the benefits of hospice care? The, the easy answer is no. Okay. Unequivocally, in fact, to me, it, that's a gift of being able to to meet people where I find them, mm. whether they have a traditional faith basis or not. Mm. You know, so I've had people that were uh, the tr- traditional Protestant, you know, mm-hmm. Catholic, mm-hmm. Uh, Islam, uh, I mean, uh, then also those who are with the Muslim community, mm-hmm. uh Buddhist, Hindu, uh, atheists, hmm. agnostics, you know, mm-hmm. and so I go, you know, with no kind of judgment. I'm not trying to uh, convert them. Okay. I'm just okay. meeting them where they are, find out what is it that is meaningful to them as they face their mortality. Okay, I, I love that point because I I remember you. We had talked. I heard you say that point. Um, I think it was around September of last year where we were on a panel together, and yeah, that stood yeah. out to me. Where I was really that that just really gripped me in a way because I was like, wow, yes, that that's kind of the journey <laughs> that we have here yeah. on this earth is that yeah. just meeting people where they are. And having the opportunity to be with someone at a particular time in their life and and be able to to walk with them through that is is such a privilege. And and I can see that that is part of your ministry. And that's the word I give it, you know, whatever else somebody else wants to give it. But that is that is it. I was just like, oh, my goodness. Yes. Yes. So that's so incredible to me is how people, and it it comes down to establishing relationships with with people where Mm -hmm. they receive your ministry, where you you develop a trust with them, they see that you are really there pulling for them. And so that supersedes everything as far as a religious or non-religious connection. Yes, yes, yes. Treat them and relate to them as a human being. Yes. Now, this would take me into another um, segue or transition. It seems as if... In in our in my opinion, um, and my producer, my husband's over on the other side, that you would have a big impact on someone as a chaplain in the role of being part of their hospice team versus just walking in being the chaplain in the hospital, in a hospital setting. And I don't know if I'm framing this thought correctly. So if, if you see where I'm going and you think I need to turn around or you can help me out flesh this out. But I feel like, or do you feel that you have more impact when you're part of the hospice team with someone instead of just, oh, walking into someone's 
you know, hospital room as, hi, I'm Chaplain Simon, and I just wanted to come and pray with you. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if, if that is the right way to ask it. Yeah, well, I, I hear what you're trying to ask, and I would say that both have a similarity, okay? In other okay. words, uh, since my, my, my method of operation is, for, is, is that I try to connect with people person to person, okay? Uh-huh, okay, I, okay. I, I try, uh, I, I've been in situations where people were a part of, a, as an example, part of the, uh, uh, the clan, all right, mm. and uh, but I have, I, I think the Lord has blessed me to be able to just interact with people yeah. and uh, yeah. meet them where they are, mm. and and the other thing has been trying to find out what or where I'm from, you know, because of my <laughs> accent, <laughs> right? right. And so, and so, you know, that has come up, and so, uh, you know, and then when I let them know what my what that where I'm from and what my racial identity mm-hmm, is, and, and mm-hmm. you know, because it's not so conspicuous, right? Um, right. You know, and so I just simply, you know, connect in that way, so that when those questions are finally asked. You know, or those clarifications are finally made, mm-hmm. then uh, you know it's a new point because right. I have already connected right. with them. Okay, right, and 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 so it goes from there. So I've had, I really have had no one just as simply as I can remember uh, reject me okay. because of things that they found out later. My either my denominational connection, mm-hmm. my racial connection, mm-hmm. my whatever. You know? Okay, and okay, but it, because I try to meet them whether I'm in the hospital context or in the hospice context, mm-hmm. I just simply try to meet them where they are and connect as person to person. Oh, that's, that is beautiful. I, I, that, that is beautiful. Your question, yes, not, you know, yes. That, no, that, that is beautiful. I, I wanted to circle back to one other item, um, and I'm looking at our time, but you okay. had talked about where you've seen people get discharged from hospice. So yeah. I'm wondering, is there a fine, you know, do you have a time frame, so to speak, that when you go into hospice care, is it um, kind of a reevaluation ever so often if you it need is. us or? is there a finite okay you come into hospice for three months or six months is there is there a um how do, how do you evaluate how long okay. somebody's going to be in hospice all right what happens is that the process is that uh either the patient their family or the physician okay can mm-hmm. make the appropriate referral okay to hospice, okay and what that the referral is is that of simply referral to hospitals to be evaluated. Okay. okay. To see if they meet the core criteria of Medicare uh, for being appropriate for hospice uh, admission. Okay? Okay. So that's how it starts. And so, yes, so, so if the person is, uh, uh, you know, appropriate, then what happens is that uh, we do evaluate them mm-hmm. uh, every, about every six uh, months. Okay. Uh, to okay. See if they are, they have they they're continuing to meet the criteria. Okay. 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 And so that's how we do. So then it's, they they are just simply the care is continued uh, based on that every six months or so reevaluation. Okay. Okay. That that is I'm glad I was able to clarify that. 
And so as as we come down to the close of this conversation, um, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to sit down with us in the House Call community and talk about this very unnerving subject to some people that now you have actually made you know, people's shoulders come down. They're they're taking deeper breaths. I'm sure of it, and not making it so scary. Not making it such this, you know, mysterious type of area of medicine or of their own healthcare that they can start having conversations about. Because we talk about there are certain conversations we should be having early on before people get to certain times where there's so much else going on emotionally or financially or spiritually. Just, it, it's good to start having these conversations around your dinner table. It's, now, you, you know, know, you said it exactly right. And those are the hard conversations to have. But the sooner that a person or their families can uh, have those kinds of conversations, then uh, the care can be given quickly. I, I, mm. It saddens me when individuals keep delaying, delaying, mm. delaying that that care, and uh, it, is, it is difficult for the patient, mm-hmm. and it's also difficult for the families who are caregivers. Yes. And being a caregiver is a very difficult, you know, um, thing to, to, uh, to, to a place to be. Yes. And so that's yes. why we encourage folks as early as they can uh, to consider, you know, when they, they get the message that there is no more appropriate medical interventions mm-hmm. uh, that can be uh, offered to consider this rather than to drag on or to deny or, you know, put it off. Right. And, uh, so, forth. so the sooner that we can get involved in their care, then uh, the more quickly uh, and effective mm-hmm, uh, quality mm-hmm. care can be provided. Yes, yes. Oh, that is that is an excellent point. Excellent point. So, mm-hmm. Uncle Doug, yeah. I, I usually ask our guests at the end of our conversation to give our community a tip of the day. So I don't know if you have something on your heart. It can be about the conversation we're having. It can be about anything that's on your heart. If you would just be, if you would give us um, a tip of the day, we would be honored. Thank you. I, you know, for me, what is so um, important, I heard you say earlier in our conversation about the uh, your colleague that you work with emphasizing the importance of listening mm. to their patients. And patients love to tell their stories. Yes. And so what I find critical for me in my ministry, and I pray often about, is, Lord, help me to be a good listener to individuals, not trying to be mm-hmm. confrontive, not trying to, to overpower them, you know, and so forth, but just simply be quiet mm-hmm. and listen. Uh, ask appropriate questions. So that, you know, it, it would prompt individuals to share their story or at least feel comfortable to share their story. And I'm saying that that goes for family, hmm. listening to their loved one. Hmm. Uh, you know, that they're, they're trying to say things to their families. And, uh, you know, I think that's so important for families who oftentimes are in denial themselves because they don't want 
to take this next step or they don't want to lose their loved one, you know, right, uh, right. you know whatever. They want to do everything possible for them. But oftentimes I find that they are not listening to what the person, to the person who is directly affected. Mm. And I think that's so important to listen to them. And then after listening to them, you know, then they can be led uh, to to go to the right source who can make a good uh, assessment of that person. Yes. But if you don't listen, then, you know, uh, it, 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 the outcome uh, is affected. Okay, and so that's what I find myself as a as a chaplain trying to do is, is what is this person trying to tell me? You know, what mm-hmm. what does it mean to them? Mm-hmm. And then in turn, uh, you know, uh, I'm praying and asking uh, the direction of what what I uh, what he, what the Lord can do through me to assist that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so forth. So that's. For me, I think is is um, is most critical is have a listening um, presence uh, with them. Uh, I often tell, even right down to the very end, I've been with many bedside of many families mm. and with their loved ones, and I say, you know, I know this is a helpless feeling. Mm-hmm. I know uh, you know it's tugging at your heart, and all this. But the greatest gift right now that you can give is to be present with your loved one and let them know that someone who loves them is there. And so talk to them about memories, you know, uh, talk to them about how much you love them, whatever, you know, just be very, very personal with them. But that's the presence, your presence is so important. And so that's what I, you know, try to offer to those that I had the privilege of ministering to is just offer a caring, compassionate uh, presence with them. Oh, that is wonderful. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to come into our community, to sit down and have this conversation and giving us so many nuggets. I know the community is going to go back. This is going to be one of those conversations that they're going to have to go back. You guys are going to have to get out your electronic notebooks or your pad and pencil. And there's going to be so many things that's going to trigger conversation conversations that's going to trigger action even and so we just want to thank you again for coming and sitting down in the house call community and guys until next time we will see you back here bye now bye bye thank you